I, we can get right into it. I'm here with uh, Giannis Papas. This What's is up? a Comedy's Best Kept Secret Tour podcast. What's up, Dan? Thanks for doing this, man. What's this podcast called? Two uh, Dudes on a Train? Two Dudes on a Train in a Couch in a Green Room. I am. This is the worst. This is the worst 13A seat I've ever sat in. <laughs> I sat down and dude asked me if I wanted to do his podcast. <laughs> this is, uh, we're in the green room with the Albany Funny Bone. You're playing here this weekend. What do you think of this club? It's nice. Yeah? Yeah, it's nice. It's big. Albany crowd's are a little chatty, though. Yeah. Yeah. You, ha- yeah, you came on a weird, I don't know, it was a weird weekend, or I don't know why. It's starting to be summer. People are starting to get rid of their kids. Well. Starting to feel better about themselves. Adrian Cosby. Who's featuring yep. said uh, he's like, how do you like the Albany crowds? And like, I think it was after Thursday and Friday, the early show. And it wasn't that chatty. And I was like, oh, they're great. He was like, oh, yeah, they're great. He's like, everyone, everyone always says they're chatty. And then about was, this club specifically about Albany crowd. Okay. And I was like, nah. And then I spoke too soon because of Saturday shows and the Friday late show. They were, they were a little chatty. Yeah. They get they get kind of hammered, you know. They actually, yeah, they threw three people out. They said they throw like four people out a month, and yeah. they threw three people out. Three people last sure. night, so they're almost at their four quota just from me being. Yeah. There. So you got you got one. You got tonight. What's your I beam? didn't ask them to throw it any. They just uh, and they surprisingly no scenes in the actual showroom, which is cool. No, it's fine. Yeah. I respect the club for that. So uh, I don't know. I don't know how to say this. Uh, yeah, Giannis is. I don't know. Who I'm doing third person. Giannis is one of the people that I look up to the most in this industry. Giannis is a guy who I met when I was like 21. Yeah. And uh, I've looked to you uh, in a lot of ways for the way that you modeled your career. Fuck, the way you that's modeled pretty your success. sad if I'm the guy. Um, if you were looking up to me at 21, <laughs> I, w- I was doing the same <laughs> shitty bar rooms you were doing. Yeah, well, I'm looking up, I'm looking up at you now, too. I, I appreciate the way that you've uh, held your career and the way that you've kind of had it. Uh, a bigger hand in it than most people. Like a lot of people, just let the industry try to take them. And I wish I would have done it that, that way. That goes <laughs> well. That goes. That goes good and bad, right? So sometimes, sometimes that goes the wrong way. But you've you've been a little bit resistant to things that come too easy. Is, is one way to put it. Well, because you wanted to be in control of your own destiny in a way. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a that's a character flaw as much as it is. A <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> so okay. So then, so then from that standpoint, what kind of advice would you give somebody coming up? Whatever works, however, yeah. whatever, throw a bunch of shit at the wall <laughs> and whatever sticks, go with that. Yeah. Just go with it. Try everything. Try to do it yourself. Try to start your own room. Try to do a podcast called uh, Comedy's Best Kept, Kept Secret. Secret Tour. Who are you keeping this secret from? <laughs> when people uh, find per- out, are they like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, I figured it out. So far, it's everyone. We'll have uh, I think we'll have a good we'll have a good eight or nine listeners. Is so that a, is that a reverse psychology thing? Because. I mean, the point of doing comedy is you want people, <laughs> people to, to know, know. but well, you're I, letting them know, no, hey, this is secret. <laughs> no, the idea behind the whole thing is with the tour and this, uh, the idea behind the, the marketing behind it was always that uh, you could get stage time. There, there are people. There are people <laughs> Which is great. No, um, there are people that are doing comedy that are great. And, and I was modeling this around guys like you and Nate who like I didn't even know. Uh, how you guys were so good. And I didn't I never heard of you. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I got to see him 20 years old. I see you and Nate just murdering in these rooms and you're not you weren't big household names and it was like so that was sort of the idea was that was that you don't have to be huge because I had, couldn't compete with the you know getting a, a Louis CK so you don't have to be huge to be with the way hilarious. you with the way you pitch you ever try to throw an email out there <laughs> Louis CK guess well, what I got a little bar room I out got in Oklahoma City. 46 seats. We're taking tips. You should get, it's a tip show. You it's should a come tip check show. it out. Louie, what's <laughs> up? <laughs> he might come through, man. He likes to work out. You should yeah. try that. You know, if I, if I, if honestly, he's in town. Honestly, if I meet him, if he, and that's what I, that's what I feel. I feel, I feel like if I meet him, he actually, uh, and we have a one-on-one, he might, he might appreciate me. I think he'd do he'd your go show. Way. He'd yeah. go either way. He'd do your show. I texted him a, a few years back. I, I had his number because he used to come by my, my stand-up New York room. Yeah. And so I had his number. So I hit him up a couple years ago and I was like, it might even been last year. And I was like, uh, hey, I'd love to do the Hoboken Comedy Festival. And he was like, hey, man, who, like, who is this? Why do you have my number? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you came by my midnight show at stand-up New York a couple years ago. He you gave know. you his, his number? Yeah, yeah. And I, and I have never texted him because oh, I don't yeah. want to be an asshole. Yeah. And he was, like, he was like, he's like, he's like, that sounds like me. And then he gave me the agent you know manager brush off <laughs> so 
If I hit up his manager, they'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah no problem, 150,000. Yeah. I was like, it's 100 seats. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah 150,000, yeah, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> that must have been wild for him to get a text. Will you do the, Will you do the oh Hoboken Comedy God. Festival? He was like, who the fuck did I give who my number to? Who gave you this number? That's all he wanted to know was who gave you the number. I respect that you did it, though, man. That's aggressive. You got you to gotta try. You got to try. You got to try once in a while. <laughs> that's, try. A, that's the only thing I've done, in, just like you said, the only thing I've done in this business is try something every couple. Go for it, man. Every you couple do, years. You do really good. At, uh, <laughs> try shit. At creating stuff. I try shit. I mean, you've created and produced hundreds, a thousand. Yeah. yeah. Maybe a thousand at this point. Yeah. 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 All over the country. I, ha- I mean, I have to, yeah. Yeah. Get and you, you bring do. Tess with you when you go? Tess comes out, yeah. I would have brought her here, actually. It's like a couple female comics and you travel with a dog. <laughs> it's like you, Eliza, and Jesse May. Uh, <laughs> oh, tra- oh that travel with dogs? Travel with a dog. I feel like. Which yeah. is good. I feel like, uh, I feel like Lampanelli would travel with a dog, too. Oh, maybe. Just to be difficult. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, she was. Uh, she was the first person I ever approached with with like with my Dan Fergalette energy. I call. Oh, yeah? I just called her. I got a. Fo- I got her phone number because she went to Syracuse University. Yeah, and I called her and I was like, "Hey, I want to do comedy." And she had just done uh, one of the roasts, so she was like, just, just, just tipping out on on getting to like household name, fame, yeah. and all that. And uh, and she's like, "Who the fuck are you? How did you get this number? Tell me a joke." And then I and then and then she liked my joke or at least respected the balls, and then had me meet her at Caroline's and. Flyer. How did you get her number? Uh, that we had a we had a network of, of phone numbers at Syracuse University. Like the the new house people like to take care of each other, so they put you put your name in a book. You take a real uh, Wall Street cold calling approach <laughs> to <laughs> comedy. I cold called her. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I do that a lot. I do that. I do that with emails. I cold call all the time. You yeah. got to be cold calling. Always got to be closing. How many episodes of this have you done so far? Uh, I haven't. Actually, I don't. I don't. Oh, I don't count. The first one. No, no, I don't count them. I don't count them. <laughs> oh. Mostly, we've been doing them when we're on the road. We'll just we'll throw the camera on them. We'll, we'll throw the GoPro on. We're driving like across the country. So this oh. one's a little a little tighter than usual very cool gopros are good cameras. Um, it's not bad it's not especially for this yeah. this so it's normally this it's just two people in a car and we're driving it's usually cool shit around us and tess will pop up every once in a while but very this is cool this is in a green room instead very cool. um non-comedy related uh i i i mean you're <laughs> uh, you're a, a modern day philosopher is that an, is that a stretch i feel like you've a lot of things that you uh have have said on stage over the years uh take a real um calculated understanding of relationships i think i think you do uh you're a little you're a little bit of a philosopher in that way you do you do see things you digest relationships quickly and you and you and you pop them back out you know sometimes you know in in hyperbole with uh with analogies and you know other relationships but i think you get it more than a lot of people about relationships and love and humans and yeah i mean that's you know that's what we get paid to do. You know? <laughs> right, yeah. We get paid to notice shit. Yeah. <laughs> so you notice it and then you try to make it funny. And, you know, yeah. I talk a lot about, uh, like, social issues and things I notice because I'm too scared to be too personal. So Is that what it is? I think so. I think I could be a lot more personal. I'm trying to think. I'm very general. Yeah, I'm, I'm very like. Yeah, there's never been. I tell. I get. I make it. I, it, The jump off is personal, but I always make it like everybody. Yeah. Like, I don't really do that many. I don't do that many personal stories, which I'm I'm striving to get. I think that's when you really get to like the top levels when you're talking about things that happen to you, stories and stuff. Yeah, that you went through and how you feel about them. You think it's the final level of comedy? I think so. I think that's when you know. I think that's ninja level, maybe. I think there's something to that. I think that was one of the things. This the the moment that I realized the difference between being a known name. And just somebody who's funny, I noticed when uh, when Artie Lang was coming back into comedy after his little uh, his, his little stint there, he had a little um, let's call it an accident. And Drug vacation. Yeah. Well, oh, he, no. tried to, oh, he tried. That. To, he tried. Oh, yeah. That one, yeah. And uh, I don't know. It's not my business to air, but he came back and he started doing comedy. But it's like the audience knew his backstory enough and maybe from the drug standpoint that he just came out. and He just started talking. He basically, for for how I understood it, he kind of like you know we do this whole thing. We when we're an unknown name, we, you know, you go from minute one to minute forty five, and you're trying to get the crowd to know who you are. A lot of the you know the early CK specials, it was that game that same kind of thing where he was doing a different joke at minute forty than he was doing at minute two because you had to get to know the the act. And but Artie Lang walked on stage, and it's like he's walking in at minute forty six because they already know his whole story. So Good that's point, like that's yeah. that next level where you can just start talking. Well, you don't got to go all Italian. Do a lot of drugs. Do a lot of drugs and try to kill yourself, and then that you're helps. automatically. 
a top level that comedian. helps that the helps. audience knows exactly who you are <laughs> if they can read about you in the paper <laughs> right that helps but there's the, but there's that there's that that fame thing when people know your backstory already you don't have to do because you know when you're young you still got to do all this stuff where you come out you're like oh I'm, I'm greek and i grew up in this relationship and i had this family i got these kids you don't have to do that when you get to that other place uh, yeah, just walk they know on. you a little bit. You yeah, walk on, you just story. you just do it. Yeah, you keep evolving. You know, I think it's uh, uh, you just keep evolving. You know, you keep evolving, keep evolving. Your life, you got to live a life. Yeah, that's, a, that's an important thing. That's hard to do. That's hard to do is to like live a normal life, because we're always like running around doing sets, living a life that's so not normal, that you have to, as a comedian, figure out a way to make time to live a normal life, because that's what everybody else is doing. The audience you're talking to are yeah. not comedians. Right. So if you're just like, ah, oh, man, I was at the funny bone lab, you know, it's like, they're like, what? Yeah, they're like, I woke <laughs> up at four and then I went, to get, they're like, what? <laughs> so you got to like figure out yeah. a way to, to, to be um, normal. Yeah, I think um, it's a sad thing because this lifestyle is so seductive in how free it is. Sure. That I think uh, a lot of times it's, it's, it's very seductive for comedians to just continue to live this extended youth that's yeah. provided by this lifestyle and they don't like settle down have kids right. and, and like you get to a certain age where if you don't do that then how the fuck do you relate to the relate crowd? to the audience right you're in your 40s and you don't have kids and you're like traveling around the country everyone else who's at your show is in their 40s with right. kids right and you got nothing to talk about right so you start talking about the same shit you were talking about when you were 20 but the 20 year olds don't like you because you're fucking 40 <laughs> right so I would bring yeah I was bringing guys out to the guys that hadn't left New York and I'd bring them I'd make the mistake of bring them out somewhere and they'd be and we'd play like you know a a redneck firehouse in Baltimore uh, and it's a very you know the, the, they understand the world in in a very in, in in stereotypical ways and so I get a guy who's my age 30 35 and he's talking about running around trying to get pussy and the crowd is like what the f what are you talking about? Yeah, what yeah. are you doing Most with your of the life? Country's got like grandkids by then, <laughs> right? Right. Outside of New York, right? So, so what? Okay, so you're you're forty, approaching forty, forty, over forty, over forty. Yeah. What have you? So what have you learned in the last couple of years that you think you that you wish you would have had with you, coming up? Um, <laughs> I think uh, I was a little bit ahead of the curve as far as knowing that. Um, TV and things like that weren't going to be as important as they used to be. Yeah. But I wasn't, I kind of knew it uh, and I started approaching my career that way, but I kind of got self-conscious about it and was like, but wait, I want to be like everybody else too. Yeah. So I think what I've realized very recently is I kind of wish I would have just continued that harder because that's what it ended up being. For example, like me and, you know, remember me and Nate had a podcast. Yeah. Like, I didn't take that very seriously. We okay. started that in, like, 2008 You, You him and Laker, right? Me, 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 Nate, and Laker. Yeah. And um, we started that, like, 2008, 2009, but we didn't, we didn't take it seriously. We didn't do it every week like yeah. you're supposed to because I just didn't, I didn't see that. I didn't, yeah. I, I didn't foresee podcasts it being— is, It is a weird thing doing a podcast and seeing how— It's more important than having a television <laughs> show. <laughs> really, it's it weird. It really is. There are people—because be, the, 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 the fact that we're sitting in a green room on a couch— the the lack of effort that we have to put into this that people are having so much success with is cr is crazy. Yeah, and I guess that's why I didn't see it. <coughs> Nate saw it. Yeah, did he did he keep up with the podcast? To give it. By the way, we're talking no. about Nate Bargatze, one of the one of uh, a mutual friend and one of the funniest people. Yeah. Um. On with Earth. that particular podcast, he just he just kind of saw it. It was his idea. He yeah. wanted to do it. I was it could the one, be better podcast. Yeah, it could be better. I was kind of the more irresponsible of the three of us. Yeah. About, like. I can't make that one, so yeah. we have to. Re oh know. no shit! Yeah, so it was really, and, and I Chris I, was just happy. Yeah, to be and it wasn't that ride. I was fucking it up on purpose. It yeah. was just like I didn't take it as serious. I thought it was more like we're doing this fun. I mean, I just didn't see it. Yeah, you guys up. were way ahead on that. We were we were early. I but yeah yeah I, I I've been very resistant on doing anything with the podcast. We, I, I well now you fucking I'm, now it's well, late. I'm, I'm way behind. Well, if oh, you yeah. start one now, people got to sift through a million of them <laughs> to find yours. <laughs> right. But back then, if we had a do, if we yeah. had done it every week and you stuck been to it, it would have been. Yeah, I mean, been the we're one. two funny guys. Lakers extremely funny. We yeah. were great together. So 
I don't even realize n- not that there was a starting point or finishing point, but like when did you guys dissolve it? You just we dissolved it in uh, 2011, so we did it for like four years. No shit. Yeah, three four wow. years. <laughs> we, sometimes we'd go like a month without doing one. Do you have them up? Do you have them up on? There's somewhere. ITunes? I think Laker put them up somewhere. There's somewhere. So uh, yeah. so check those out. Check it could, those it out. could yeah. be better. The po- lost could be better podcast. Yeah, but you know what? It all kind of worked out in a weird way for Nate especially. Uh, because he insisted on doing like one last podcast a year in <coughs> a year after we hadn't done one. Yeah. <coughs> and we did it at the stand. Just he wanted closure, he said. Oh, weird. <coughs> so we did one last one. Live with the audience? No, just at the stand oh, no with the equipment. And that was the night that Jimmy Fallon kind of came down. No shit. Yeah, because the stand was new. I think this was like 2012. And that's where he saw Nate. And they, well, he met him first. So we, me, him, and Nate sat down and just talked. No shit. Because it was before the show. And then Jimmy just decided to stay and watch the show. And uh, we all performed. And Nate had a great set. And that's when he saw Nate. Wow. And that's how that all happened. That's so crazy. That is fucking wild. Yeah. That is wild. Because now they're, I mean, now he, he's got. He's one of the only guys that basically can call he can do the Tonight Show and be like, "Yo, I, I, I got five do one. minutes," and, and they'd be like, "All right, well, you got to wait six months." But yeah, like no, they, isn't there a spin or something like I, that? They just whatever. He's got carte blanche. He, he can just call whenever. He's, he's done it's like him, eleven. It's of them? him and and Brian Regan, who's the guy he looked up to when I met him. Yeah, pretty much. I think yeah. maybe and Seinfeld, one, maybe one other, yeah. two others. Yeah, but he's got pretty much carte blanche. That's and crazy. Seinfeld. And Jimmy Fallon's from here. He he went to he went down he went to college down the street. Wow, he's yeah. from, he's from, he's from Albany. Oh wow, the area anyway, Albany. He just in some talent. He just looped Jimmy it around. Fallon and yeah. Dan Frigolette. There we go. Upstate um, New York. Well, I'm going to claim Syracuse if anything ever Syracuse, happens. Syracuse, that's right. Well, you got to share that with Justin I got Peluso. <laughs> I guess, yeah. And Derek Coleman. Derek Coleman. The basketball player. Yeah. Uh, he, was he from there originally? No, I'm just I saying think he went he to Syracuse. He was up there. Carmelo. How do you see so you? Carmelo. You're, you're a longtime New Yorker, longtime Yankee fan. Yeah. Knicks? I used to be a big Knicks fan. What happened? Yeah. Um... James Dolan, the owner, happened. <laughs> I mean, it's been brutal. So I just yeah. jumped off the bandwagon. You know, I was a Knicks fan my whole childhood, and then I became sort of a Utah Jazz fan in no the mid-'90s. I really so loved the Stockton, Stockton. Alone team. Yeah. yeah, no shit. And then i just been a basketball fan since then. The Knicks are just too brutal. It's it's been brutal it's been since 99, 98. It's been rough. Brutal. That's what that was my childhood. Almost with, with twenty the bills. years. Almost bills. twenty years. I was the Bills. We like we all grew up. I was you know that was the closest team to us. We would go to the Bills games. We'd always get snowed out. It was crazy. And we had how many Super Bowls in a row where we couldn't, we just couldn't make it happen. Brutal. And Bull, it, Bills it, fans. It, it brutal. took me. It took three. Me, it took me out of the NFL for like. Ten, I just couldn't even watch NFL for like ten years. Like yeah. I said, that's that's how scarred by the Bills I was. It's like a girlfriend that uh, you know you break up with. It's <laughs> like bad memories. Yeah. You can't. Bad. Yeah, you can't date a Dominican but I mean, anymore. Buffalo, that's brutal. But you know, <laughs> New York City. This is like you're talking about one of the biggest markets. Right. If not the biggest market in the country. So for the team to be this shitty for 20 years yeah. is kind of inexcusable. Well, let's see. So you're talking, but Ewing was still in the league when you started watching Stockton, no? I, yeah, it was around that time I started to flirt with this jazz. And then they got my guy, and then they, they, got, they got Coleman. But that was his end. That was towards the end. That was He ended around 98, be, 99. Is it, is it that late? Yeah. That, w- that's what, that, was his, that was towards the end. No shit. And then Ewing was kind of, he was on the way out. 99 was like the Larry Johnson four-point play when he, he okay. really didn't get fouled, but yeah. he had that four-point play. Um, and uh, I think the, the Spurs ended up winning that year. It was the lockout year in 99. And then after 99, I was done. Yeah. So basically all of the new, the, this millennium. It's millennial jazz. Millennium. Is it millennium or millennial? Millennium. Millennial's a human. Millennium. Millennium. This millennia. Yeah. I've been fucking, I have not been a Nick fan. Oh shit! Yeah, I tried. I really tried. So I've been trying to to stay loyal to Carmelo because he's our guy from Syracuse, and I defended him through the through the the Denver years, and I I don't think I don't think it's defensible anymore. No, he, you can't win with a guy. I Here's the problem with him. Probably carrying Syracuse as a freshman to a national title was probably the worst thing that ever happened to him because he was he's a great scorer, you know, but he's in the NBA. He's ca- he's a second option now. If you he s- would be a you great that, second do you know that option. team. He would I mean, like I know that team in and out because they there was six was, guys on that team that, that could the Magnamara? score. Magnamara, Magnamara, Quest Duaney, Hakeem Warwick. Hakeem Warwick ended up playing uh, in the league for a little bit, but he's just too skinny uh, and he couldn't put any weight on. Magnamara was one of the greatest, uh, you know, 
white three-point shooters we ever had, 40-point games, you know. So that he had six guys around him who could put 20 points up in college. So Yeah, but he carried that team on his goddamn look, he, shoulders. Look, he, look, he 28 points every game. He was game. a man amongst boys. 28 points every game, but that team that team was that team was great the next year and it was uh actually what's hilarious is I put the two posters next to each other. The worst team we've ever had in the history of Syracuse was the year before. We had before he came in? We had two guys. We had Deshaun uh what's this guy? Deshaun Williams and Preston Shumpert. And they uh, they kept banging each other's girlfriends, and they got each other's girlfriends pregnant, and it turned this whole turmoil, wow. and got suspended, and everything like that. But it was half the same team. We had we had half the same team, uh, and then we also we had a, we had a seven footer, Craig Forth, who was just you put it you put a guy who was almost three hundred pounds, seven feet in the middle, it gets a little harder to, to get some points up, even even though he wasn't a great Rim defensive protector, player. Yeah. So Carmelo on his own, yeah, can't can't do anything. No, he's but like, I see him like as he he's like a James Worthy type of player. He would be a great if he accepted his role as a second option, okay. or and played defense. You can win with him. But the reason why I say that's probably the worst thing that ever happened is winning that title is because he was the man and he just never stopped because he could put up such such you know such a high amount of points. He just always saw himself, and I guess coaches always built offenses around him, and he just he's well, not I good th- for an offense. He I slows think, it down. I just think he thought that he – because he was, he was the same uh, – he would have been the same draft class. No, he was the same draft class as LeBron. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Uh, so he so – I think he just saw himself as uh, he should have been one, and he only wasn't because of LeBron. So I think that – and then – so it was LeBron, Milo, what was it, Darko, Milosevic, right? I think Carmelo was three. And then it was like Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Wasn't Darko was one? No, Darko LeBron was two. LeBron Darko was, was two. one. Yeah, LeBron, LeBron was, was one. Yeah. LeBron was decided one since he was 16. Right, right. LeBron, of course. What am I talking about? Yeah. Um, and then Darko's not even in the league. Right. But then look at the other two guys. Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade, uh, two two of the greatest NBA players, I mean, team-wise. In that generation, Wade definitely all-time. Bosh of that generation. Yeah. Wade, is, Wade does not get enough credit. Yeah. Well, and what do you think? Where do you think he's at? He, I think he's 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 done now, right? He's he's, he's yeah, falling yeah, apart. He's yeah, yeah. he's my age. He's thirty four. Yeah, yeah. He's, and his body's broken down. But yeah, he's you know, phenomenal career, Dwayne Wade. I didn't see what happened this year in Chicago. They just didn't go, they didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very stupid to let Thibodeau go. That was just stupid. My whole that was just dumb. He never got he never had a healthy team. The fucking poor guy. Yeah, I thought Minnesota was going to be better with him as coach, but um, you know. Not yet. They're too young or whatever. It, it's the it's too it's too weighed down on either end now. I mean, it's the way the Warriors swept through the whole the whole Western field without losing a game is on. Unbe- I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's not. It just makes it. It makes it um, unreasonable. It's wild to think that they were the best team ever before in a regular season <laughs> the year before, <laughs> and then Kevin Durant joins right. that team. And you only give up Barnes, really, and Bogut, but you get you know you get another big body, in uh, McGee, whatever his name is, Jamal. McGee. No, Barnes is still on the team. No, no, no. Barnes went to Dallas. No, Barnes is on this bench. The not, fighter Barnes, not Matt Barnes. Oh, ba- okay, uh, other Barnes. Yeah, other Barnes. Um, and so yeah, that's wild to think. But in defense of sort of like, you know. The other ar- the argument against super teams, it's like you look at the Celtics during their dynasty. Um, they had three Hall of Famers on it. Yeah. But, you know, it is different because like Robert Parrish was not playing like a Hall of Famer before. Right. He got to Boston. They drafted McHale. They traded. Got, they got the draft from McHale. They 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 traded their draft pick for Parrish, and they weren't Bird. they weren't established players. Whereas these guys, right. it are is bringing different. they're bringing in it an established. I mean, Magic was drafted um, with Kareem. Uh, Worthy was drafted. I mean, so those are all you know. Those are all. It bets. is hard. Yeah, it is. You know, and LeBron did he did start it, man. When he went to Miami, those were three. First team All NBA players and, and three in their top prime. and three top five draft picks. Yeah, in their prime, yeah. all on the same yeah. team. I mean, it's like, come on, you're talking about 
that was the first time you had two MVP caliber players right. on the same team in their prime. Yeah. I mean, it had happened before when, like, you know, Barkley and Pippen went to Houston. Right. But the, they were old, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like Malone went to the Lakers. Peyton went to the Lakers. They were old. That's what LeBron tries to claim. But they those guys were old at that point. They yeah, were at yeah, the end yeah. of their career, and they were like, let me just try to get a ring. Uh, coming off the bench or right. whatever. They were right. old. Nash went to fucking the Lakers. Right. But it's like, no, the, the in their prime. So, yeah, what KD did, I, you know, ultimately it really hurt the NBA. I mean, it hurt the NBA. It did because they were just too good. And you knew there was some delusional people who thought that the Cavs were, were going to win. I mean, you're fucking yeah. delusional. Well, I mean, the, the Warriors had just, it was just way too many weapons. Well, here's, well, here's the problem is the hate for LeBron is so big that it drives the love for the Cavs. So it's like just to not be the guy who's jumping on board with the Warriors, you go, all right, you know, you, you live in that dream. And then, you know, what What did they They played? They didn't get the, how many times did they get to play the, in the season. And Kevin was hurt all year, so they haven't even played him. So there was there was a little bit of doubt that it could it could exist. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was just that was just delusional. And nobody could have predicted the Durant only putting up 40 points a game. You kind of can with that many weapons. Uh, you saw. You could see, if you know basketball, mm -hmm. you could see just the nightmare defensively that is. Yeah. You're talking yeah. about, you, you literally have a team with, I've been a basketball fan since I was <laughs> yeah. born. You, and you've played. I played. And I, and I know basketball very yeah. well. And you're talking about literally, literally, no argument, <laughs> the two best shooters <laughs> all time, yeah. I've ever seen. <laughs> right. I mean, I've, and one of them is just like insane. Yeah. One of them... You have to pick him up as soon as he crosses half court because <laughs> right. he just puts it up and it right. pro it, you're like it's that's probably going in. Yeah. So when you have shooters like that, that spread the floor like that, yeah. and you you have a team that loves to play in transition, how the fuck do you guard right. that? When and Draymond can hit threes too if he wants. He steps out, and, and they play and great. They, and and they, they play great defense. Right. So it's like how so just and, then the, they, and then their bench is a bunch of veterans. You got Iguodala who's going to show up for no reason, put twenty five up if he wants to. Great play, great veterans around them. Um, but but there was a couple plays that were really that really encapsulated how much of a nightmare matchup they were. I remember that it was a few breaks I th in okay. the early games in transition. And I think the last the last five minutes of the last game. Yeah, but I remember a few breaks. One of uh, one in particular that's in my mind is when I think it was Durant in transition, right? Yep. And like a couple guys were back. I think it was Love, Jr. Jr. Smith was back, and they they uh, they um, floated out to the shooters. Yeah, right. And <laughs> Durant just went right, went through. right through. Because what are you gonna do? You're sitting there. You're in transition, and you're like, I can't leave the shooter. Yeah. So, but I, if I yeah. go to the ball, I mean, you're supposed to stop the ball. But with that team, you're like, what the fuck do I do here? <laughs> right. I mean, it's like pick your poison. He's yeah. coming down the middle, or he's him, kicking he it out for a three. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. it's ridiculous. So, yeah. I mean, Durant scoring 40 does not surprise me just because – the only surprise was so that many he, guys in that team you got to worry about. But he just he wasn't healthy enough to do that all year, so it, it was a wild card. Of course, he can do it if he's healthy, and he was healthy. And but it was a wild card that it could happen. Yeah, I think he probably was like semi healthy, and they just sat him because they were like, "We just need you yeah. healthy for the playoffs." Well, and that's also what they said about the Cavs was they were basically they just coasted the year. They didn't play anybody. They didn't have to play anybody probably. in the Eastern Conference, and then all of a sudden, and I don't, you know, they what? get to the I don't you know, the blame finals. them for that, dude. It's it's a it's a long season. Yeah. Like, I don't blame him. And, and, but in defense of the Golden State Warriors, Durant, yes. I don't think they need defense. I don't think it was No, because them. people are like, ah, oh, I suppose. But it's like, dude, that it doesn't discount how beautifully they play. Yeah. They play that, you know, you could put three stars together and it doesn't work out. Right. But And the fact that they brought a new guy in and it was still seamless. Yeah, I mean, the system that they run and Steve Kerr is such a great coach. And he wasn't even coach. there. He, he wasn't, but it's his systems in yeah. play. His, yeah. You know, the, they play a great basketball. They play great defense. Great defense has nothing really to do with offensively talented players. That's yeah. just like that's team in the NBA. It's all about a team commitment to defense to help each other and to make the extra pass. And without Durant, you know they were they they took Cavs to a seven yeah. with the, with the suspended Draymond Green and a hurt right. Steph Curry in six. I mean the Cavs deserve that deserve that wing, but it's not it you know. Yes, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is the reason why it was 4-1. Yeah. Without Kevin Durant, that's anyone's series. Right. That could be a seven-game yeah. series going either way. Well, and that was, yeah, and that was the thing. It They're been, a great it team with games. or without. And then when he got hurt, you saw how great they were. They kept yeah. winning without him. So it's like, you know, but 
Yeah, it, the super team thing now, now. Well, now you got the Cavs and you got the Golden State. If LeBron stays put, which I think he is, I mean, you got two teams. It's like, why are we even doing the regular season? Right, and that's that's what everybody. Well, everybody's getting uh, kind of annoyed with how many playoff games because it's just like we wanted to see it. We want it's the you know it's the Mayweather McGregor. We that's all we want to see. We are waiting around for LeBron versus the the Warriors, and it wasn't even and that it great. took forever. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't great. It wasn't. It was. It was. Which is what the McGregor fight is going to be. Oh, it's going to be. It's going to be a pillow fight. <laughs> but it's so much money. Yeah. Just who cares? And we're all going to tune in. Oh out yeah. Of curiosity. Oh yeah. Uh, but you know, it's going to be boring the way McGregor uh, uh, Mayweather fights. He and just now, fights is to there, win on points. And now there, yeah. The, well, he's he's kind of boring to watch. And that was that was my favorite part was when well, he fought uh, Pacquiao and, and and people that don't watch boxing anymore and that maybe only watched in the two thousands and when the heavyweights were the big game. I mean, that was a whole different thing. You're, people were getting knocked out with heavy. People are not getting knocked out. What, what's Mayweather? He's a, uh, what is he, 165 pounds, 155 pounds? Yeah, yeah, he's, um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know which, which division he's in. Yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, he's either featherweight or a welterweight. He's in there, whatever it is. Always people are not getting thing. knocked out in that class. You just, you don't have enough, Rarely. you don't have enough oomph to knock somebody out. He may knock McGregor out, though, just because when he, like, He'll realize, like when he fought Arturo Gatti, yeah. when he just realizes how easy it is to <laughs> find his face. Right, right. Because it's just going to be a speed factor. It's going to yeah. come down to like, I mean, Mayweather is the best boxer ever. That, that, yeah. I, that's what I think. Yeah. I mean, he's the best technical boxer we've ever seen. Better than Muhammad Ali. Better, it, the guy just doesn't get hit. I mean, yeah. he's had a whole career I, I didn't where he realize barely how, gets how hit. serious it was until I started watching some of those fights the last couple of years leading up to it. Yeah, he never he gets just hit. barely gets hit. He, he, he can see it ahead of time. I don't. It's that's crazy. always where I was. That's where I was always bad at fights. Is how I get hit. Like I don't know how to get out of the way. I don't even, like even most even, people get hit. Even play even like play fights. I get hit. Like you know what I mean. I can't get out of the way. And he's he predicts the move before. It's I mean it, it it's crazy. He just always ducks and then counters. I mean, you know the only knock on him as the greatest ever is he never really put himself out there. He fights so conservatively. He he makes bo- you know towards the end of his career it was a lot of fucking boring fights. That Manny Pacquiao was the wor- one yeah. of the worst fights. It was so bad for boxing, and it was Mayweather's fault because he just he wouldn't he wouldn't fight him. I mean he was just, it, yeah. he would he would bang bang hit him a few times, counter and then hug well, counter hug. It was just they were dancing. Well, I, I don't know if you can blame the guy considering what we know now about um, not uh, uh, what's what's. The, um, of course, I can't think of what it's called now. The uh, the movie Concussion. Uh, I get it, but I mean that's the fucking sport. We, we're <laughs> yeah. there to see people but die. If, but if you can uh, if you can avoid that part of the sport, why not? Do it? What's it? Uh, what's that called? What's the uh, CTE? There, there it is. Yeah. The CTE. Yeah. Um, if they want boxing to become exciting, and they got to do something about holding, they got to like take a point away, like for holding, because that's just what guys do now. They just they get in trouble and they hold. Yeah. And like. Well, even that's that's has been a long time. Right, that's that's exactly what Tyson did in that fight when he bit Holyfield. He realized he couldn't fight him anymore. Yeah, he was getting and he, he was held. getting head butt done. And he, <laughs> yeah, he was well, that's, getting head butt. Well, that is yeah. true. But he but he was putting himself in there. Yeah, but no, but Evander would come in and and fall into him, and he would he would head yeah, because his head because he had these sharp he, he would leave with his eye head. sockets. He would just head, leave with his head, and he was fucking Tyson <laughs> up. So he Tyson. I think Tyson was frustrated by that, and I, I and I think Tyson admitted to he was just frustrated because yeah, I mean, uh, he was like, Hollyfield was a tough dude. I mean, yeah, he's not a guy who I don't think he, did he was he ever knocked down? Uh, he's no, he's no, he's. I don't the, think the guy's been in peak. Down. The guy's been in peak condition for so many years, and I don't and under the radar down. for a lot of years. Like he was never him and Riddick nev- Bo had wars, but he never got to the level of fame that other guys in with his same skill set ever really got to, which I thought was crazy. He was, he's, and he's also, he's not like a media guy. He was a really soft-spoken kind of, uh, a weird dude as far as the media is concerned. Yeah, well, you know. He wasn't, he he's he's an athlete. He just wants to, he just he wants to box. He didn't have that Tyson personality. Where the foreman, even, or even the foreman personality. Yeah. It's crazy, it's crazy to find, to, to realize. Is this a sports podcast? <laughs> it's turned into it. <laughs> Comedy's best kept sports conversation. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't care too much about, te- you know, I don't care who's going to, who's going li- to, you know, I don't, who's the, gonna the idea that people, nobody's going to listen to anyway, but I don't like Your the parents? idea of people just talking about, <laughs> my parents don't listen to it either, but I don't people just talking about comedy to an out crowd doesn't, it doesn't ever make sense to me. Um, <laughs> so we talk about whatever. It's your podcast. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. We talk I about whatever. I love talking sports. <laughs> yeah. It's the best. We could talk about uh, probably the most relaxing thing to do. Yeah, 
Well, I was going to ask you because I, I feel like you do. I feel like you do get relationships on a level. Uh, transition out of sports. Where, where are you? How do you feel about people that try to approach things like open relationships? It's great if you can make it work. Yeah. yeah. Do you think it's Do you think it's a realistic idea? Do you think Do you find yourself You're finally in a position. Not that you've not been before, because you have. But you're finally in a position where you're you're in a monogamous relationship, and and it's and it's been a a period of time. Uh, I don't know, equal to or or longer than some of the other relationships you've been in. Do you see yourself being able to to be in the same relationship for the rest of your life? Do you, yeah. Is that something you can well, that's foresee? What, that's what's uh, that's what's good about. That's the good part about getting older. Is uh, my libido is still strong, but <laughs> it's not like it is when you're in your twenties and thirties, where yeah. it's just you, it's all you think about. Yeah, it's kind of nice to have a break from that. I mean, it, it's torturous when yeah. you're young and just like. Just your dick is on all the time, right? Your dick's just going, whoa, what can we get? What can we get? Right. Just like the most excited person in the room is your dick all the time. (laughs) Right. And, you know, now it's like amazing to actually like I can hear girls talk. I'm like, wow, did I just hear that whole story? That's crazy. (laughs) You know, so it's uh, so is that is that is that the only key? Is that the key to monogamy is just uh, look monogamy when your balls drain a little bit. It's not politically correct to say, but uh, for a straight man. Whatever. I mean, gay guys, you can see what testosterone, like, you know, when people <laughs> say, like, there's not a difference between men and women. It's like, look at gay guys. Yeah. And tell me there's no difference. Those are guys. <laughs> gay guys fuck all the time. Right. Or do whatever. They hook yeah. up constantly. Yeah. And they are, uh, the monogamy is kind of like not the really the norm in yeah. the gay community. Right, right. Because they're dudes. Yeah. And we have testosterone and we have sperm and millions of them and we're trying to spread them all over the place. Right. And um, so monogamy is not a natural thing, but just like monogamy is not a natural thing, it's just as natural for a woman to try to fucking trap you down. Sure. So you raise the kid and stuff. So together. Um, so those things are, you know, they're at odds a little well, bit. Where but do you, so let's you how have to far find back, the right woman. So how far back do you go in your head when when you try to figure out why why we we've created marriage and monogamy? Because uh, I've tried to trace this back, and we, I mean, we social order. It's we, good for communities. We go back. To you can't just go around fucking everyone's wives. <laughs> you know, if you live in a small tribe. You know, you can't just you know you can't fuck someone's wife. Well, no, There's but that emotions. was the, there was there were periods of time where tribes you everybody was fucking everybody, and so you would just raise the whole tribe like a family because yeah. you didn't know who the fathers were. As things evolved, so there was that you needed some order and right. You know. Uh, I but then there was, uh, I don't know. There's, there's. I think there's this lurking idea that uh, that to get out of caves and things like that. Like the even the idea of civilization was that, that we all try to group up because because two was better than one. So you couldn't be all the things at the same time, right? So uh, some of the ideas of masculinity are stuck around from women uh, try to find the biggest, strongest man so that when you team up and you go out into the wilderness, you get that's you know, that's the protector and then you get to be the smarts and handle the family and whatever. So big oafy dumb dude. There's something sexy about that through evolution because that's who's going to keep you alive. I think it got to a point. My latest conspiracy that I believe is that after a certain point, like we evolved past tribes when we started farming and stuff and we settled down there was always like a few really smart people, yeah. right? Like, you know, that's the thing that makes human beings unique is we have a range of intelligence. Yeah. No other species has a range of and intelligence. And every once in a while, there's, a, there's something we call a genius. Yeah, what a lot. But, and like every other species, like you're basically a tiger, you know? <laughs> you're a little dominant, a little more submissive, but you're not, there's no range. It's a yeah. fucking tiger. Yeah. They're all the same pretty much. Humans, you got everything from like Elon Musk level <laughs> intelligence okay. to like, fucking idiots like you and me you know we're sitting here doing a podcast in a mall so we barely share the same species yeah so i think there came to a point after uh agriculture uh became the way that we lived where those smart people were like yo we got to figure out some fucking rules to settle these animals down (laughs) to like to make sure they don't fucking kill us all so they invented like marriage and religion and things like that to be like let's just keep these animals Brainwashed and chill. I agree. And I'm for it. I agree. I with, used to be against religion. I agree with now that. I'm for I agree it. with that. Other than other than the intelligence, I don't. I don't think the leadership has ever been the smartest people. I just think they've been. Um, well, I guess. I guess maybe. I guess maybe I swing into it because because their goal was always to get more resources, and they knew that controlling a population of people, making up rules, making up well, prison makes systems, them smart. making up things. Sure, this that is, makes them smart. Sure, but not. But but uh, but not on. 
You're not like an open, uh, born genius. That's not, you know, that's not a person who's ultimately trying to be. People act like if there was no one in power, like things would be great. <laughs> I mean, people I, are. I, that's where I'm at. I'm a little, I feel a little bit like there's an order I love it. to, I to hope nature. A, I hope there's an Illuminati just and controlling I, <laughs> everything. We need it. We I don't, think, we don't, I don't we know, man. Freedom. I don't, but I mean, as much as I walk through this mall and I hate every person that I see and the decisions that they're making with their life, uh, and I love this new movie, Captain Fantastic, and the way that they look at the world, uh, there, there's, uh, I, do, I do believe that the, that the order is creating more of a problem. And, you know, we have things like, like a Black Lives Matter campaign, and we're looking at cops. Cop, this, is the, this, is the, this is the thing I have to figure out how to, how to, how to argue with people. With. The, the idea of police, they've never been from you and me. What? Cops have never been to protect you and me. Those have always been to protect the lords and their manners. Like the first cops going back, you're talking like Wyatt Earp, like a guy who just like walked into a bar and brutally beat the shit out of this dude and they handed him like a sheriff's badge. They were like, you're the baddest What's motherfucker in town. What's on your podcast? Because <laughs> I just did. <laughs> so they hand the guy a badge and he and his job was to protect the 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 leadership it's not they've never cops have never been here to protect us and that's part of the that's part of the order that we've the the, the disorder that we've created you and mean they more cops do a pretty good job of protecting white people <laughs> <laughs> well we're we're in this they we're just in this don't do that great job protecting black people well sure <laughs> well but they're all their job has never been to protect you and me I, I mean that's an extreme statement. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean I, don't know, they, you know, I guess I'm skipping steps, and this is where I have order. to figure yeah, out. Yeah, I mean you're skipping a little. I mean, yeah, I mean, look at their at their root. Their paycheck comes from City Hall. At the end of the day, cops are what's supposed to protect City Hall from people, not not protect the people from City Hall. So that's been yeah. that's the position that we're put in. Yeah, you know, but there's been. Politicians who've fallen because of scandal too. You know, sure. It's, it's, you know, uh, yeah. It's gotten more and more for the people as time has gone on. It's a little, yeah. People in power have power. That's what power is. Yeah. They can fucking make shit go away. <laughs> they have power. They got money. That, right. That's how it goes. But you know, generally we got a pretty good life. You know. Yeah. We don't have. Hey, a, we you don't see, have it this too is bad. what happens when you become forty. Like. <laughs> You're not as much of a revolutionary anymore. <laughs> You're like, just keep order. <laughs> I like things safe. Right. You know, lock them all up. <laughs> if you, you know, all the kids lock all just every kid up. Don't challenge anything too much. I, I just generally just that's what I don't like is kids. I like old people. Really? Yeah, because old people's energy is where my energy's at. <laughs> okay. So it's like no, things are never out of control. <laughs> I like I'm a little bit the opposite. I think I, I, I have a hard time relating to adults still. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> Cause you are one, buddy. <laughs> I still, I still can break right back in. You know, I was, uh, I hang out with ki- all my, all my cousins now are having kids. My, my sister has a kid. I'm godfather to a bunch of kids. Uh, and you know, I'm out there and I, I'm, I'm having a better time hanging out with the kids than I am with the adults, man. Well, good. I want to be at the kids' table. I, you know, <laughs> you'll be Benjamin Button then. You know, <laughs> I mean, you could do that too. It's a good time. You can do whatever you want. But I, but I'm also a, a a big believer that we're supposed to talk to kids like adults. That's how we. That's you met my little brother. I think he he had a handle on life. I grew up with three siblings, yeah. and I think my little brother had a handle on life before the rest of us because we just talked. He was just in an adult's household. We talked to him like an adult. Yeah. And he he came out a lot smarter than I ever was from a street smart perspective and an independence perspective than I ever was. Yeah. Well, you know. This uh, society, you know, we caught you, you, you caught we get coddled for a long time. So yep. we should treat kids more like adults. Yeah. Tell People them truths. Yes. Yeah. I don't think we're telling kids truths. Yeah. I don't think we're telling. I don't think we're telling adults truths anymore right now with what we got going on politically, though. Well, I mean. Truth is up for is it, is, it is up for debate. I have known you for a long time. I Fake fe- news. I feel like when I met you, I feel like me. when I met you, you would have had probably f- in this climate, you would have had 35 minutes, whether you did it at a funny bone or, or a basement bar. I feel like you would have had 30 minutes just just laying into a Trump administration. Ah, uh, the rant days. Those <laughs> were good days. No pressure. I just went up there. At Reese. Tw- 20 minutes of it wasn't funny. The stage was a pool table. Yeah. I used to I used to rant. I used to rant, you know, and then like anything, you know, you got to punch up. So I learned as you got older, you know, this has got to be funny the whole way through. I can't just, you know, but, you know, that that stage got me to this stage. Yeah. So, 
Those were good. And, and those it, were it's there's I still it's still in me. Yeah, I think I can it is. rant. I can go. I can go on. You know, what those shows were great for is just like uh, learning how to perform, um, working rooms that are tough. Yeah. So like you saw last night, there was you know I could work a room that's a little rowdy. Yeah. Because yeah, you never got rattled. Because where I came up, and there and there, because there was a couple minutes where sort of the front section. If I grew up doing comedy, yeah. If I grew up doing comedy in Minnesota, I wouldn't have been able to handle that crowd last night. It's just wild bar rooms that I came up in. Yeah, people. (laughs) And yeah, I've seen people try to make those transitions into into these kind of weird. It's not ideal. No, it's not. It's not like I'm just glad I have the skill in case (laughs) of. Right. But it's not something like you want to be good at that at the expense of being a good joke teller. You <laughs> right. Know? The, the most important thing is to have good jokes. Right. And be right, funny. Right, right. So what? Um. All right. Let's uh. Let's promote you. I don't know. Like I, again, who knows what this podcast becomes? But I, I'd say go look look up. It could be better podcasts. This is the three great minds: Nate Bargatze, Chris Lake, the Giannis three Bobbis. greatest minds three of all time. Greatest minds in comedy. <laughs> That's a great way to describe us. <laughs> Nate Bargatze, a great mind. That is not true. Funny, yes. Great mind, no. <laughs> uh, I lo- I love Nate. The, one of the favorite things about Nate Bargatze is is that he's such a he's so funny on stage and he's so funny off stage. But the the difference between those two funnies is as drastic as can be, uh, which I which I always found really interesting. Um, he's a unique performer in that he uh, he can carry a show without a lot of energy. Without a lot of energy, he can be very funny. And, and but he's also he's also he's also prided himself from a stage persona, and he's not he's not an overly. Um, what I want, he's a very clean comic, but then as a human being, he's a you know, he's a dude. He's a regular dude. Yeah. He's not like he's not a guy who's going to be offended if you. Talk to him like you, you can know, say like in a drunk bar. Yeah. You know what I mean. So yeah. it's just an interesting thing that he held himself to that line because uh, of the life that he, the people that he looked up to, and the life that he kind of led up till that point with his father being a performer and sort of being a kid's performer, father well, a magician. Him being clean has nothing to do with the life that he lived. <laughs> 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 he just, uh, you know, that's the standard he, he right. held himself right. to. Right, that's what he thought. Yeah. Not many guys can do it, and that's, uh, that's a credit to him. So wait, so then just from that standpoint, since we're on that jump-off point, because I know, I know a little bit. I know, I know one of your guys was Hicks, one of your guys is Carlin. Have you changed? Are, are the guys that you look up to... Um, have they changed over the years? Do you or do you listen to different people now? Um, I still love later Carlin. Okay, uh, I still love Carlin. Um, now, what was interesting about Carlin was if you if you listen laugh for laugh, like the way he ended up building his career. If you listen laugh for laugh, the more he's saying later on in his career, he would have to come up with patterns so that he could get through the material. And the laughs weren't all as automatic no. as maybe what you and I are looking for. Yeah, his last specials, last one or two, were kind of like a little, they were a little, uh, la- they lacked laughs, but they were smart. Um, they were powerful. You're all diseased. You're all diseased. Uh, I think that was in 99. I think that was his best special yeah. of all. And he's had a lot of them. I mean, Carlin's just great. He's just one of the greats. Yeah. I mean, even if you didn't like the whole special uh, even when he was kind of less surly when he was younger, he still had brilliant stuff. Sure. You know? So Carlin, Carlin is up there for me. Um, Hicks, uh, Hicks up is still up there for me, but in a, I look at him differently a little yeah. bit now. I, you know, well, you're, I think so he, you're past, you're past him from a career standpoint. You've been in stand up longer than he ever was now. Yeah, that's true. He died. So, but, um, he kind of went too far, yeah. Hicks, to like ranty, you yeah. know, where it wasn't funny. Anymore. He wasn't worried about the funny. He was more worried about yeah, the message. He kind of went that way. But, you know, at his peak when he was really funny, I mean, Hicks, Hicks was, was great. You know, um, there's a lot of guys I love, you know, I, I look up to. I look up to Stan Hope and uh, Burr and Patrice and yeah. Geraldo. And, and um, there's just a lot of guys who are yeah. really funny, you know. I love Gaffigan for other, you know, uh, I love, you know, I love different types of comedy. You know, it's like there's a lot of great comics now. Yeah. There's a, you know, the list can go on. So many. Yeah. The list can um, go on. And that and that's that's something that's something also that I think confuses people sometimes is they ask you who your inspirations are. And sometimes it'll be a guy who does the opposite of what you do. Yeah. And it's like, of course, I can appreciate that. And, and, and the fact that there's such a different coming from such a different mindset, a different style is what makes it so fun or funny to listen yeah. to. And there's a lot of guys who I'm friends with who are I look up to and I think are just hilarious and 
You know, I mean, look, comedy is like, you know, there's so many funny people. Yeah. There's so many. It's just a great. Do you think, I mean, have you, do you think we've hit the, the, the greatest level of comedy, stand-up comedy that, that, that's ever existed? Do you think we're? Uh, I'm a big fan of Louis, too. I, th- I think Louis great. I yeah. love Chappelle. I mean, it's funny. Do you I think we're at the peak? Do you think we're off the peak? Do you think we're on the way to the peak? Do you I, think don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's tough when you're in it to know yeah, where you're I at. I don't, I mean, I don't know, man. You know, there's a big part of me that thinks that the humans are not going to be around that much longer. <laughs> yeah. So then if that's true, which it, there's a very good chance it might be. <laughs> right. Um, because of the environment and population. Well, and the fact that all the richest guys, if there isn't Illuminati, are all trying to get off this planet. That, that's, a, that's a big Yeah, thing. they're trying the, to go to Mars, The man. guy who made all the money on the housing crisis, putting all his money into water. That's, yeah. a, that's a huge alarming Something's factor. wild. Yeah, <laughs> I, you just, we can't have this. It's just... But like, you, but like you said, we're gonna we're kind of gonna be okay because even if we run out of water, we had a good ride. <laughs> no, but living in the United States, even if we even if the world runs out of water, we got another sixty years. Not we're gonna be good of brokering water. We had <laughs> the sweetest deal. No wars, you know. Yeah. Post Vietnam, yeah. kind of no draft. There yeah. used to be a fucking draft. <laughs> no draft, no war. Uh, you know, we're so protected and rich in technology, and yep. we had a good ride, man. <laughs> this is a lucky, lucky, lucky time to be alive, to be born. in this place, yeah, in America, yeah. That's and true. and what a lucky profession. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. My job is in fifty minutes to go tell jokes to uh, Sunday. Do so your pro- favorite thing to probably ten people. Yeah, that was my, <laughs> that was my, that was the big moment for me. When the first time I got paid to do comedy it was I didn't get a lot of money, but it it just felt weird because it felt like so much money because I was like, you don't understand. I will do this for fr- I'm happily doing this for free. We, we do so it to give free. me money feels yeah. like some sort of robbery. Yeah. And there's yeah. something great about that. Yeah. All right. So uh, at at Giannis Papas, is that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it's a funny thing with the plugs. It's like. Does it matter if you want to find me? Fucking just put the name in the old Google. (laughs) I'm, I'm, you know, Twitter, Facebook. You'll find me. No, you're the John. I mean, you're the John Smith of Greece. So there's you could. There's a couple of you, but you're by far the most most famous Giannis Pappas. (laughs) Okay. There's no other Giannis Pappas who's done more than me yet. (laughs) So yeah, there's a few other more famous Giannises like Yanni the singer, (laughs) right? And Giannis Aratakembo, the basketball player, but. I'm still the most famous comedian named Giannis Pappas. You're, my, only you're one. my favorite Giannis. So give it to Giannis. Thanks. Look him up. Uh, do, do do the due diligence. He's uh, one of my favorite people in comedy. Has been for a very long time. Uh, thank you for doing the podcast. You Comedy's got it, man. I was forced tour. to do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. Uh, I don't know where it's you fun. found us. If you found us on uh, Stitcher app, uh, we were on iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're on. Uh, you can tell Alexa to listen to us. Check out uh, all the episodes as we cross the country. Treasure comedy. Thank you so much. I'm Dan Fergalap.